0: Hey, everyone, I'm Chris Hall, and this is the Downtime Podcast, where we're going to be taking you deeper than ever into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. First up, though, a little offer for you. We Are One are back supporting the podcast for the fifth year in a row. So if you fancy getting your hands on the best quality carbon wheels available, then We Are One have a deal for you. I've ridden We Are One wheels for a long time now, and I can tell you they've done an amazing job. The engineering team have found the perfect balance between stiffness and compliance to give you a ride that's direct but not punishingly stiff. That's then backed up by a manufacturing process that's focused on quality. So you know that your wheels are going to be perfectly built and a thing of beauty as well as having insane performance. Whether you're interested in their brand new convergence wheels, they're still incredibly awesome revolution wheels, or they're de-packaged bar and stem, Downtime listeners can get 15% off by using the code downtime February 2023 at the checkout over at wear1composites.com before the 5th of March this year. That's downtime with a capital D, February with a capital F, followed by the number 2023 with no spaces over at wear1composites.com. Don't forget this code must be entered at the very final stage of the checkout process on the confirm order page. Before we get stuck into this week's episode, here are a few ways in which you can support the show. Downtime T-shirts, sweatshirts, and hoodies are available over at DowntimePodcast.com/shop. If you miss having some print in your life, then for just twenty pounds a year, you can subscribe to our biannual mountain bike journal, Downtime EP, made in collaboration with the awesome team over at Misspent Summers. EP takes the topics and themes from the podcast and brings them into a stunning print format, featuring mountain biking's most talented writers and photographers. You can subscribe to get your very own copies of these beautiful pieces of print over at DowntimePodcast.com/ep. If you want a little more downtime in your life, you can join my newsletter where I'll provide you with a bit of behind the scenes info on the podcast, interesting bits and pieces from around the mountain bike world, some mini reviews of products that I've been using and like, partner offers and more. You can do that over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash newsletter. Otherwise, don't forget to follow the podcast to make sure you never miss an episode. You can do that by hitting the button in your podcast app now, or there's buttons for all the major platforms over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash follow. And if you've done all that, please give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook too, where we're at Downtime Podcast. All the links for that are over in the show notes for this episode on DowntimePodcast.com. Don't forget also, you can either listen to today's episode here, or if you prefer to watch it, you can now do that over on my YouTube channel, which is YouTube.com forward slash at Downtime Podcast. I'll also pop a link to the video in the show notes over on the website DowntimePodcast.com. All right, this week I'm joined by Lucas Shaw, Luca has had an incredible career so far, riding for the Santa Cruz Syndicate and now Canyon Factory Racing. Hear how he's learned from the best with mentors like Steve Peat and Fabian Burrell. We dig into Luca's 2018 season where he qualified first on three occasions, but wasn't able to convert them into race wins. Does Luca think that he could take those wins with what he knows now? We chat about his run of injuries and what Luca is doing to find his way back to the very top of the sport. So without further ado, here's Luca Shaw. <laughs> Lucas Shaw, welcome to the Downtime Podcast. How's things with you?
1: Hey, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, all good. Just uh just home nursing a little uh injury, but yeah, can't complain.
0: Yeah, go on, tell us a little bit about that, what happened.
1: Um, just a couple weeks or I guess three weeks ago today, um just had a little crash, nothing crazy, um, riding downhill at this new bike park near us. And uh yeah, I just put my hand out and um thought I jammed my thumb but, um, it definitely didn't feel right. So I went and got it checked out and I actually got like a little, it's called an avulsion fracture. Um, so like the ligament pulled a piece of the bone off. So basically broke the thumb and I had to actually get surgery to fix it. So, um, it, it didn't seem like a big deal at first, but it was actually, yeah, a little bit complicated. So, um, had surgery a week later and now I'm just kind of waiting for it to heal up. So, um, yeah, it's, it's uh of course all injuries are taking longer than you'd want but um i shouldn't it shouldn't be too long before i can start riding again so um luckily this season's still far away so but yeah more
0: annoying than anything really (laughs) fair enough yeah plenty of time at least well let's um let's start from the early days wind the clock back and tell us a little bit about growing up because i didn't realize until recently you you um you were born in california right you grew up on the other side of the u.s
1: yeah um yeah, me and my brother both were born in San Francisco, actually. Um, my parents were, yeah, my dad and mom lived out there. Um, and we moved around quite a lot when I was younger, actually. Like we moved um, to Alameda, which is in the Bay Area still, when I was really young. And that's kind of, I don't really remember living in San Francisco, but I, I remember living in Alameda. And then uh, when I was like, I want to say six or s- maybe younger, even we moved uh, to the East Coast and um, first... Savannah, Georgia, and then Atlanta, Georgia for a little bit and then finally settled in North Carolina. So um yeah, I kinda moved around a lot when I was younger, but um definitely feel like I've grown up I've grown up in North Carolina. It's it's home for me for sure. Um since I was about seven, so nice. Yeah.
0: Very nice. And your dad worked at Olin's, right? Is that kinda how like motorbikes became part of your life from a young age? Yeah,
1: like even even before that, like my dad's always ridden he rode he was a road cyclist um in his day and always rode motorcycles and he's always worked in the motorcycle industry um back when we were in california he was worked for like a a newspaper like a or a motorcycle newspaper and a bunch of like motorcycle shops and stuff and then um when he was in when we were in georgia he worked for aprilia and then um that's actually why we moved to north carolina was he got a job at olin's because olin's their us headquarters are in north carolina here um and so he worked there for 15 plus years um at Olin's here so um yeah that was kind of always funny but it's they didn't really start doing mountain bike stuff till till quite late and i i it was never like really i never wrote it and it was never it was kind of just a coincidence that all of a sudden they started making mountain bike stuff but um but yeah, I guess that's sort of the, how we got our start in two wheels was through my dad because we would all we had like Honda fifties when we were young and we would just all go ride on the weekends and stuff. Um, we kind of started and on on dirt bikes um, when we were just little
0: little guys. So
1: <laughs> me and my brother.
0: Awesome. And when you say we, that's that's you and Walker. Walker and Walker's only like a
1: year older, right? Yeah, exactly. One year older than me. So we've uh, we've always had uh, battles. From from the time I
0: can remember, <laughs> on on all sorts, but definitely a lot of battles on two wheels. <laughs> nice and BMX was a, a, like a big thing for you when you were a bit younger. Was that when you moved to North Carolina? You started to get into the BMX side of stuff.
1: Yeah, exactly. So like when we were when we first moved to North Carolina, there there was a brand new BMX track that opened in our town, and that sort of just like became our obsession. We would ride there after school ride all day and then ride home because it was it was close and that was that was what really like that from the time that track opened basically till I was 15 that was my obsession and uh that was sort of where we started racing bikes because um, before that it was just moto like we rode dirt bikes every weekend but you know it's kind of hard to ride after school so um BMX became became our thing there for yeah probably eight years and that was that was where we started basically racing and that's kind of where I think I got most of my skills from. Um, that was, uh, that was a huge, huge part of getting me into racing.
0: Yeah. And you got competitive pretty early on and, uh, you got quite a long way with the BMX side of things. Hey, you're racing at pretty high level.
1: Yeah. So like we, we started, I want to say I was seven or eight. Um, and like I said, it just became like our obsession and between Walker and I and our friends who rode at the same track, um, it's really good for kids BMX because you have so many in your age group. There's so many, so many people to race and ride with. Um, back then, especially like mountain bike races, didn't have that for kids. And BMX, it was definitely like more of a community. We were on a team and we traveled together. Um, and we did for years. Like all the East Coast nationals, we would travel. Like, like our whole family would just like pile in the car and go all the way up to Ohio, like the whole East coast down to Florida a bunch and, and is really good for BMX racing, like Florida, especially like there's so much competition at a young age and, and that just became our thing. So, um, yeah, there was a couple years where like we turned expert, like within, a, within a year. And, um, I was always at like the, kind of the top of my age group, um, The best I ever I got second at the NBL Grands that was the best I ever did I never won but uh yeah we got on we got to a good level and uh that was sort of like I I wanted to be a BMX racer you know I wanted to go to the Olympics and do all that so but um as soon as I found mountain biking that took a back seat and then I realized that mountain biking is so much cooler (laughs) but uh yeah that was BMX was (laughs) I still love it but
0: how did you find mountain biking then how did that come into your life
1: Um, kind of through friends, like we, like, it turns out that we live in a really good area for mountain biking. We didn't even know, but, uh, there was like a couple races close by and a friend of ours who we met at the BMX track, um, he was like starting a little junior team and he would always see me and Walker riding and he knew that we had like skills and he was like, oh, you guys would crush it. You'd be really good at it. So we kind of just went with him to a race and like... I think the first race I ever did, I got second. I was only 13 um, and we were racing like, it was only 18 and under was like the only class. So I think I got like second and I was like, oh man, this is, it kinda, I don't know, it sorta came easy and it was fun and it was different. And there was so much like, the thing that I really liked about it straight away was like every race was so much different. Like BMX became so repetitive, like every track was sort of the same. you're always racing the same people. And then mountain biking was like a whole new world. So um, yeah, kind of just did a couple races. And for a long time we did both. We would race BMX all winter and and like go to all the nationals. But you know, if there was a mountain bike race on an off weekend, we'd go. So we did both for a while. And uh, yeah, it was when I was like 15, 16, that I started to really like mountain biking more. And that was sort of, that was that really. it was yeah just a whole new world and a lot more variety and just way more exciting to me at that point so kind of started taking over
0: and there was obviously a, a proven a proven career path like you say kind of getting to olympic level and all that side of stuff with bmx maybe not quite so obvious back then for mountain bike do you remember when you realized you might be able to make a living from mountain biking and what was it that triggered that for you
1: um like I would say like when I was probably 15 is when I started to realize like, oh, I'm, I'm way more into this mountain biking and, and it's kind of what I want to do now. Um, and yeah, I don't really remember like the, the, the year before I was junior um, that was a really fun year because me, my dad and Walker, we, we didn't, we didn't really have any much support or sponsors and we just had this van with like a camper top. And that summer we just went to every mountain bike race we could in, in that van. Um, like I think nationals were on the East Coast that year too. And and we just like went for it that summer. It was really fun. Um, and I was I was like too young to race Junior, so I couldn't qualify for Junior Worlds, but all the guys in the US who were going to Junior Worlds, I was already beating them all. Like at, at all the races that we did so I was I kind of knew that like okay like next year I definitely got a pretty good shot to go race some World Cups and and, and do pretty good because I, I was getting a lot faster um, and that year actually uh, Walker broke his arm I think but me and my dad we we flew to Crankworks and did Whistler and that was sort of the first race where I I really kind of made a name for myself I'd say. Um, I raced pro in everything and i was only 15 i was because my my birthday's late in the year so like even my first year racing junior i was only 16 so at at this time i was 15 and i was totally like still completely starstruck by you know sam hill and all the guys i was racing and i I raced pro and slalom air downhill and in canadian open and i actually i got second in in dual slalom um and it was like, I I completely shocked myself and everyone else as well. Um, I remember I beat, um, I think I put Sam Hill out and I ended up racing Troy Brosnan, who's my teammate now, in the final. And he won and I got second. And I just, that was sort of, I think that kind of turned some people's heads. And and I definitely kind of realized like, oh man, I'm, I've, I'm pretty good at this. So that was kind of, that was probably the moment where things started to look like, okay, like if I if I work hard I could probably I could probably do something with this so um yeah that was that was a big one for sure
0: that yeah that's really cool man and so yeah 2013 you set off on the road and headed out to Europe for your first World Cup in Fort William were your parents supportive of you going away missing school because it's quite a big deal huh
1: yeah yeah it was it was hard um they of course were supportive um but my school was pretty strict on missing days and like every day I missed, I had to make it up. So, um, the, those first couple years racing junior were were tough. Like we wouldn't, it's not like we, we would go home as soon as the race was over, like try not to miss school on Monday kind of thing. So that, that was hard, but, um, yeah, my parents were both like crazy supportive of us and like that first trip, especially, uh, that first world cup it's funny that year was the very first year of the junior world cup which worked out really good for me um and yeah that first trip to uh fort william and de sol that was going to be basically our only races like only world cups that year um and we all went like the four of us my mom dad walker and i and and yeah that was a crazy trip honestly like the amount of stories from that week those two weeks are just so funny um to think back. But, uh, but yeah, it was, it was hard with school though. Cause like every time we'd go away and miss a few days, I had to go make those days up. So <clears throat> I ended up having to like stay after school almost every day, um, towards the like spring just to like make up time. Um, and yeah, there was only 10 days every school year that I could miss. So it was, uh, it was tricky, but, um, luckily my parents supported it and, and that was, that was huge
0: that's really cool yeah I've, I've chatted to your brother a little bit about that fort william trip and he was mentioned that i think your accommodation was an hour and a half away oh. from the track and your helmet fell out of the van oh, on man. race day yeah. on the way to the venue yeah
1: so we stayed um <laughs> in Oban. if anyone knows where that is in, in scotland it's nowhere close to fort william um i don't know why or how we had a hotel booked there but that's where we stayed and uh yeah, I think it was it like, give or take, it was about two hours from the track. And obviously being juniors, we had practice at eight. So it was it was brutal, like early, early mornings. But like at that point, you're so excited and happy to be there. Like we, we didn't complain at all. We were absolutely loving it. Um, and yeah, so like <laughs> race day, like I don't remember what I qualified, like sixth or seventh. I was pretty stoked. Obviously made the final. Um, race day morning we're driving the four of us in the van only one front row of seats in the van and and just like the bulkhead behind and we're driving we're probably halfway there already and we realized the side door of the sprinter was wide open and we're like oh crap let's stop <laughs> check everything's all good look in and like everything's in there except for my helmet bag and i was like oh man this is bad so we started like basically backtracking like must have rolled out somewhere like hopefully we can find it and we're about to turn around and be like, all right, we're, we're going to have to just borrow a helmet. And like my helmets just like sat in the middle of the road, like, oh man. And so we got it, pinned it back, barely made it in time. God, It was just like, I swear it was so many things like that. And I remember when actually we first got there, we were so excited to see the track that we walked up the whole track. This was like, the the morning of or the i think it was the day before maybe track walk so we did like three track walks like we were just so so keen (laughs) and uh yeah it was just so
0: funny and and yeah definitely
1: a good memory from that first trip
0: amazing and seventh place for your first round you beat your brother who was back in 19th when did the tables turn on that because normally like the bigger brothers the fastest the younger brothers sort of chasing them how did that pan out with you two
1: yeah um good question like it was sort of gradual i'd say like um like even still like walker is so fast and he's so talented but i just always kind of felt like i had the edge on him when it came to like race runs and like putting that run down when you really need to i always felt like i clicked it up a gear and he struggled with it so i think yeah just the year before maybe like those, those like junior years, I like I started to really like find my own and yeah, that's kind of when I started to beat him. <laughs> um, but I mean, when we ride together, it's still, it's a, it's always a battle. Like it's, it's never easy, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that was by that time I was starting to like really find my form I'd say. And, and just, just being able to like step it up for the race run and, you know, you can always ride good in practice, but I don't know, race run is like all the pressure and the stress and everything it's you can either like use it to your advantage or it can kind of make you crumble so I was always I always feel like I'm pretty good with that so
0: nice and it didn't take you long to step on the podium the next round was in soul and you took third spot behind Dean Lucas and Phil Atwell one position ahead of Loris Vergier that must have felt really good podium in your first season in junior
1: yeah that was that was awesome that was that was huge for me um and what was funny about that was the the three of us on the podium we were all really close the times were really really close i think i was only like a tenth or two off the win um and our times in elite that day would have been really good like i think i would have been 23rd um so that that was honestly like that was a bigger deal to me than being third and junior um Just knowing that, like, man, like, I've actually got the pace to run with these guys. And that was funny, too, because, like, no one expected, especially on that track, um, me to do well. Because, like, I was on a, my bike was, it was a specialized status. And it was fine for racing in the U.S., but, like, on those big tracks, like, it was, it was, like, bringing a knife to a gunfight. (laughs) Like, it was, it still had, like, front derailleur mounts and quick release rear end because it was it was like the budget bike from specialized like specialized didn't give us the demo they like it's funny they say that we chose to race those bikes but they didn't give us the option like they were like a sponsor of ours of course but they just gave (laughs) us some like two or three bikes and and they gave us the status which was it was like man it was pretty janky setup um and I just remember like people looking at my bike and I was like, hey, it's all good. Like, what's the big deal? And like, "Ooh, like wait till you see the track, like he might struggle. So like that was that was really funny. Um, looking back on pictures of my bike, like the setup was so, so bad. Like my seat was basically as high as my bars. My bars were super low. Oh, man, how I rode that thing down that hill. I don't I still don't know so uh (laughs) that was pretty funny looking back it's like man we were we were winging
0: it hard like it's it's a miracle it all worked out amazing things kind of stepped it up a little bit in 2014 you moved to sram tld i think in that second junior year and was that with santa cruz bikes as well yeah
1: um not yet i was still on specialized um actually funny story okay funny story about that um so the, those first two races in 2013, like like I said, that was going to be our only races that year, our only World Cups that year. But um, John Dawson from SRAM, who was they were like kind of our main sponsor already at that time. But uh, they they basic or John basically said like, if you are doing well enough, those first two races will will take you to the rest of the World Cups that year. And he he made a little deal like if I if I was top three in junior points actually it might have been top five is either top five or top three in junior points after those first two races he would fly me to the rest of the world cups that year and and they would take care of me and like by the skin of my teeth I, i was fifth or third i can't remember but so that was like that was awesome because then dawson really really stepped up for us and he basically from that point on like sram became like our like family on the road like they they flew me to the rest of the races that year I stayed with them pitted with them and that became like that was my like ticket you know what I mean like that without that I don't know if I'd have been able to do any more races that year so that was that was really huge for me um and so yeah I was able to race the rest of the races that year it didn't actually go that great I didn't get any more podiums but I got to gain that experience and go see all these tracks so that was, that was massive. So I definitely uh, owe Dawson that for that one. Um, And then, yeah, the following year, basically they, they created a team around Walker and I, and it was, yes, Ram and TLD stick man from TLD and Dawson basically created this program where it's just like Walker and I, and we didn't have much of a bike sponsor, like specialized gave us, gave us bikes again that next year. But it was basically like we pitted with SRAM, we we worked on all our own stuff. Like we didn't have a mechanic or anything, but they took care of us. They picked us up from the airport. They, you know, we stayed with them. So that was that was kind of my first team, and and that was honestly like such a awesome way to kind of find my feet in the World Cup because it was it wasn't like everything was handed to me straight away. Like I had to learn how to keep my bike together. I had to wash my bike. I it wasn't like I was you know on a full program right away. Like I definitely had to like earn my way. So, um, and, and those years were so much fun, like with Evan from SRAM and all the, all the SRAM guys, they just became like, yeah, my, my family basically on the road. So.
0: Very cool. And that, that junior year, the second year in 2014 started off pretty well, didn't it? Took the win at the opening round in Peter Maritzburg, beat Loris into second by pretty much bang on two seconds as well. That must've felt good. Yeah, that was, that was so
1: good. Like that was, uh, we'd raced that track the year before for worlds and I knew it was super flat, super pedally. And so, yeah, that winter I, I trained really hard and that was, yeah, my first sort of winter knowing that I would be at all the world cups. So I really trained hard and worked hard that winter and came to the first race. And yeah, obviously in second year, junior, you know, kind of like which guys have left you don't know so know so much the guys that are coming up, but you have a pretty good idea of like, okay, like last year I was second or third out of the guys who are still gonna be junior next year. Like I've definitely got like a good shot here. But um but yeah, that first race I was I was able to beat Loris and he smoked me on that track the year before. So that was really that was a big uh big win for me, my first World Cup junior win. So and to start the year like that and have the leaders jersey um that was really really cool and and also it was the first kind of race for our team like the SRAM TLD team so um yeah awesome memories from that trip
0: yeah and you took the win in St. Anne that year as well what is it about you and those longer more physical tracks
1: yeah I don't know like um I, I wouldn't say it's it's just about like it being long and physical like I just really like Mount Anne. um that track is so so fast and so much fun to ride. <clears throat> but uh yeah, those were I think the only two races I won. But that year was just a battle between Loris and I. Like every race that year it was like me and him, like we'd qualify first and second every race, and it was just it was like it was pretty clear like it was either gonna be him or me to win like that that championship. So um he got me in the end, but but yeah, it was a it was a definitely another year where I gained a lot of experience and started to feel way more comfortable at the World Cups. And um, but in every race, it was just like yeah, I'd I'd win or I'd get second. But the first thing I was worried about was like, okay, how would I have done in pro? Because I know next year it's like game on. So um, but yeah, that was uh that was a fun season and definitely uh, some fierce battles with Loris. That was uh, I was we were not exactly friends at at that point we uh we were we were competitive so
0: (laughs) excellent what was the reality of that move like then from junior into elite because like you said you were the first cohort of people that had been through having a junior series and making the move up rather than being a rider within the elite category what was it like actually making that step
1: yeah it kind of felt like it was just like sink or swim like I knew I knew that like coming in you see it every year it's like guys who are fast in junior but it just doesn't click straight away and they lose confidence and then it's just it's just a battle to to qualify even so i knew it was going to be tough and that year i switched to santa cruz bikes um for my first elite season so that was also something new and and like made me a little nervous you know i wasn't sure like if i'd like once i got on the world cup tracks like if the bike would be good or not obviously it's a proven bike so um i i kind of knew it wasn't going to be up to the bike but uh still just like something new to get my head wrapped around and uh and yeah it i knew that it was going to be really hard and we went to lords for that first race and and it was a track i'd never been to and yeah it was definitely like the nerves were there like that's for sure um racing everyone that i've always like looked up to you know you see the the start list and you're in line for qualities and you see all these guys that, you know, I still worshiped. So, um, it was, it was nerve wracking, but it was also at the same time as like, this is, it was so cool because that's exactly what I'd always dreamed of is being, being in that, in that position. So, um, yeah, the first, the first round in Lords went awesome and I got 11th. Um, definitely. I think I, I was like really hoping to be like top 30, top 20, maybe if things go really good. So, um, Definitely uh, surprised myself there and was really stoked to get 11th already straight away. And that meant I was qualified or sorry, um, protected for qualifying at the next round. So that really started like a really good uh, kind of momentum for me um, being already protected first year junior that or first year pro. That's kind of rare. So kind of took some pressure off and let me kind of enjoy it more, um, not be such a stress head about qualifying <laughs>
0: Yeah, and 10th place in Fort William as well that season. Were you, like, attracting attention? Were there people coming your way looking at bigger deals? Because the SRAM C O D thing was kind of relatively small in the grand scheme of, of team setups, right? Like you said, you were doing quite a lot of stuff yourself.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I think that year was sort of the first year I started to kind of make yeah a name for myself and people started looking at me. It was funny because racing loris like loris was already on like a factory team uh lapierre at the time or then it went to specialize but um and i was sort of i wouldn't say i was a privateer but i was definitely like like i said like didn't have my own mechanic and i was sort of like doing everything on my own didn't have any teammates um the SRAM guys took i mean amazing care of me but it was definitely it wasn't like a structure like a normal team structure um but yeah, that first year pro, like I started to find some consistency and I was pretty much top 20, like every race. Obviously, I, like you said, I got that 10th place. Um, I think I had a couple top 10s in qualies. Um, and what was funny, like being being with the SRAM crew all the time, like the SRAM pit's like really social and obviously you get teams, all sorts of different teams coming in and out of there. And that's where I was always hanging out. So. I got to know so many people just by, you know, it wasn't like I was in like my own little bubble of a team and like was always like with the same crew. Like I I got to meet and got to know so many people from other teams, whether it was like team managers or mechanics and, and I just got to know a lot of people. And uh, yeah, I think that first year started, people started kind of like, you know, asking me like, oh, like, what are you up to next year? This, that, and the other. but, but honestly, I was really, really stoked with what I had at SRAM TLD. And, uh, I was happy to stay cause, cause it was, I kind of had everything I needed and I was really comfortable there and I was having a lot of fun. So, um, it wasn't until the next year that I was really kind of starting, not, not outgrow it, but I definitely had opportunities that were, you know, dream opportunities for me. So, um, that all, came, that all came the next year, though, in 2015, or 16, sorry. It all blends yeah. together.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 16. The, resu- the results were uh, pretty amazing. So 6th in Fort Williams, 7th Lenzer 5th in and ninth at World Champs in Val d'Isol. What do you think you'd worked out like? You'd seem to really find your feet in elite at that point. Was there anything that you could put your finger on, or like, how do you feel about that?
1: Yeah, I think it was just the natural like progression. Like that year, I actually I had my own mechanic, um, JT. He SRAM kind of brought him on to take care of me at all the World Cups. So that kind of took a little bit off my plate, and um, just another year. I mean, it's crazy how much you learn. Like racing like a full season of World Cups, and then you know you go away in the winter, and and you kind of have all these notes. Like okay, I really need to work on this. I need to get stronger here. Um, I need to ride tracks like this more often. So it's just like the 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 learning curve really. And by that by that time 2016, I was I was a lot more confident in myself and I was, you know, getting stronger physically and getting more mature and um yeah, it, it just sort of started rolling. Um that that year was awesome like I like you said I got a sixth at Fort William, which was a really big deal cuz I was so close to that podium on like a legit man's track, let's say. Um, and then, yeah, finally that, towards the end of that year, I, I got on the podium, which was like, that was like the dream, the dream for me. I stood on the podium with Loic and Aaron Gwynn and Troy and Danny Hart in Mount Anne Like I beat Greg, Greg was sixth and he was like my idol and my mentor already at that point. So it was just like, things were just, oh, it was crazy. Like it felt like I was living in a dream um and and that that year was really when I had quite a few opportunities like line rides lining up for the the next year so that's when I kind of knew like all right it's time for me to you know move on to something different um and yeah that was that was a really awesome fun year and definitely uh felt like a dream
0: (laughs) amazing so was the syndicate an obvious choice out of the teams that came knocking then
1: yeah um that was that was sort of the team that I had always dreamed of it honestly it didn't even seem like a possibility because it just like with Ratboy, boy Steve and Greg for all those years like I didn't even see how it would be possible you know like I it just seemed like t- too too big of a too big of a dream really and uh but I was already riding a Santa Cruz so that that for sure helped me um and uh i'd gotten to know greg pretty well and steve a bit too and obviously that next year steve was retiring so i knew that there was at least one spot open and then uh the whole like with rat like him stepping away that was sort of a surprise and that kind of i think as soon as they got you know when that that was happening like they they realized like okay we need like we need some riders for next year and uh but it all happened pretty late honestly and i had i had some really good options like other options lined up, um, I was speaking with Laurent from Specialized and had a really good offer from them, and that was also another dream situation for me. And that was a really, really tough call, honestly. Like it wasn't, it wasn't an easy decision by any means. Um, funny enough, uh, Canyon uh, Fabian was recruiting me pretty hard as well, so uh, I'd had a couple of meetings with him. And it was also the tricky thing was, um, I really wanted to stay loyal to SRAM. Because they had taken such good care of me and and uh syndicate was obviously fox and shimano and and i really that was a tough tough decision to make because sram and rock shocks had gotten me to where i was and they had taken such good care of me and they they had plans as well to really step our team up like massive the next year as well to make it more of its own structure so like there was a lot there was that was like i felt like i really grew up a lot that year because i had to make some really hard decisions and um and like my dad was sort of helping me but i was doing all the negotiating everything myself like i i really wanted to to do it myself i didn't want um i think it can get kind of funny when parents get involved so like it was all on me and uh and that was that was a really tough tough choice in the end but i think when when uh when Rob from Santa Cruz and Joe and Greg and all these people are like, Oh, like here's your trip. Like here's your seat on the team. If you want it, like I just couldn't say no. So like, yeah, the, the syndicate in the end was the, it was the choice that I felt in my heart was the choice that I needed to make. So, um, but it was tough to tell the SRAM guys that I was leaving. That was really, really hard, especially. Yeah. After a really good season, it was, uh, I was sad. It was it was a tough one, but um, as soon as the decision was made, I was really happy. And obviously, uh, yeah, it's a it's a dream ride for anyone, I think. And um, yeah, I was re- united with my uh, my rival, Loris, too. So that was a funny funny situation, but it all worked out way better than I think any of us could have uh, asked for.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask about that, because like you say, Loris was your nemesis all through juniors, as he was for a few other riders as well in in your kind of age group, I suppose. Like, was there a concern for you going into a team alongside someone who'd been such a rival and like like you've accepted, you know, you weren't the best of friends, certainly in your junior years? Yeah, it
1: was, uh, it was... I wouldn't say uncomfortable, but I definitely had my, I was a little bit worried about it because um, I knew Greg really well and I knew that like that would be all good. And um, I didn't know when I signed, I didn't know that Loris was going. Um, but I guess he obviously knew that I was, you know, i had signed a contract and when, when he was speaking with them and he still decided to come over. So I was like, all right, like it's not like he's been, it's not a surprise for him. So like, and I'd never, I'd never really spoken to him much. Like he didn't speak like great English when we were juniors and he was on a French team, like all French mechanics, all like, you know, and I, I was really surprised that he actually wanted to leave, um, like Loic and leave that, that structure. Um, so it was a a bit of a surprise for me, but I was like, ah, you know, like we'll, uh, we'll bury the hatchet or whatever you say. And, (laughs) and it, it worked out great. Like he's honestly like one of my best friends now. And, uh, yeah but it was funny it was a it was a bit funny at first I was like oof I'm not sure maybe I made a bad decision here like we're not going to get along and it's going to be like uncomfortable or whatever but no it was it was it was great um it all worked out
0: yeah and a big change right you went from a team that was relatively I guess low-key sort of under the radar the syndicate is at the opposite end of the spectrum I think you pretty much broke the internet with one of the best team launch videos we've ever seen. (laughs) What was it like for you kind of being thrust into the spotlight, so to speak?
1: Yeah, it was, um, it was, it was a lot. Um, That was, yeah, that was, it was an adjustment for sure. Like I think with the syndicate, there was a lot of distraction. Like it was the time of my life. We had so much fun, but um, it was, it took a little bit to kind of, find myself in that team I think um, obviously like we all got along great and we all had like such a great time but uh like yeah at the end of the day you're paid to race and racing is you know priority number one um, sometimes it didn't really feel like that like there was so it was so honestly like it was so low pressure and low stress on that team um, sometimes I felt like I was just on holiday with a bunch of my friends like it didn't it didn't feel like a job It just felt like fun all the time. So but it, it was like a little tricky to balance that I'd say um, but obviously we had You know so much support that I wasn't used to as well. Like I had you know, we we had like Custom bikes made for us. That was the first year of the 29er We did like so much testing like that off season, that first off season I was on the team like the amount of time we spent like testing that new bike that 29er I'd never really tested before in my life so I was just like yeah sure like I'll ride it like feels good like I, I was like still so naive like so like that was a whole like new world that I hadn't really even experienced yet so um, but uh, yeah it was, it was a really cool opportunity and I was just like yeah soaking it all up so and yeah that first that first race was crazy. Like we went to Lord's first race with the 29er. Like everyone was like hating on it. Everyone, it was like so much like noise and attention. I wasn't used to that. Like I was just the guy in the freaking back of the SRAM pit, like doing my own thing. So uh, it was like a whole different, whole different thing. Um, And then we went out and qualified first, third and sixth. And it was just like, what is going on here? Like, it was just, yeah, crazy times. And then, obviously, it rained for the race, but um, that was uh, a lot different, a lot different.
0: Yeah, very much <laughs> so. Yeah, like that, the, the rain took the edge off that potential from the first round, but the season got going for you. You took a seventh in Gang, sixth in Lenzer eighth in Valder Sol. Yeah. But the real kind of change seemed to come heading into 2018 so first round lozenge no one's been there before and you're in second place with Aaron on the podium was that did you feel like you were ready and were you expecting big results coming into 18 or was that did that come as a bit of a surprise
1: um it was it was a surprise um like 2017 was actually quite a frustrating year for me like I felt like I had a lot more speed than i'd ever had like i had really good splits and a couple really good qualities but um just like some crashes and like little things that kind of held me back that i didn't get the results that i sort of felt like i could and um yeah, then going into 2018 it was just another year on on that bike and i just felt i don't know relaxed and confident and having fun really um and yeah, that, that first race just was, just felt easy. Like had a solid quality and then a good race run. And yeah, I was second and almost won the damn thing. So I was like, definitely surprised. Um, but yeah, it was just, it just felt easy, honestly. Like I I wasn't, didn't have any pressure on me and I was just having fun. And, uh, yeah, that year was just hard to explain. It just, everything felt easy. You know, everything was just clicking and i was having fun and there was no stress no pressure and and yeah i was kind of just rolling <laughs> and that was yeah that was a crazy season
0: yeah the pool the rolled into fort William where you qualified first i think that was the first time qualifying yeah first in elite what was it like being at the top of that mountain on your own last man down for the first time how are you feeling
1: like honestly like it was i felt like it was just another day another race like it it was so weird like i the quality was just a smooth run didn't expect anything from it and yeah i was first and i was like oh cool this is sweet and i had like the number two play already i i was like oh man like i could really take the overall lead if i have a good race um and uh yeah like it's so weird like i i remember being at the top of the hill and not thinking anything of it like it was it was so relaxed and i i just felt so ready for that moment and um That Unfortunately, like that race, I really feel like, and of course it's, you know, easy to say, but I really felt like that was my race to win. Um, I was like already way up at the first split and everything was just easy. I wasn't riding over my head or anything and then just got a flat. That was that like first flat in like a year. Like, you know, I wasn't having any problems with flats and that was just like, that was a tough, tough pill to swallow just because I felt like I would have just cruised down the hill and won that race. Like, it didn't feel like I was fighting anything. Like, my time in Qualys was actually faster than the race day time. Um, so that was like really, really hard pill to swallow. And I was gutted, obviously, but I knew that I was riding well and I tried to take the positives from it. And, um, didn't really feel like honestly I didn't feel like I did anything wrong it was just a weird thing like yeah million rocks on that track and I must have just hit hit the wrong rock at the wrong angle and that was that just cut the tire open so um and then yeah that was that but then straight into Leo gang the next weekend um completely different track different conditions everything and I remember not really feeling that good in practice and not having a great quality run and I qualified first again and it was just like yeah everything that year just seemed so easy that's it wasn't like I didn't expect it and everything was just like rolling for me so Um, and then obviously (laughs) I think at that point I started to put some pressure on myself Um, obviously like I knew that opportunity slipped away the previous weekend and I knew I was riding good and I was really really just fired up to go for it and yeah was on a really really sick run and right there with the leaders like a little bit up on the on the last split and just the weirdest little crash like I don't know if I lost focus or what but just crashed in a random spot on the track that I wouldn't ever expect to make a mistake there and threw it away so at that point I was like pretty gutted because I was like I knew I was riding so well and honestly it was like so close. I felt like to winning two races in a row and, and that was like, yeah, I didn't really have much to show for it. So, um, but
0: yeah, so how it went. So what do you, what do you do with that? Then you've been in that position where you feel like you're riding so well that it's easy to put yourself at the top of the timesheets and qualities, but it's not converting on a race day. I guess it's easy to question the process to look at what you change Like, how did you go away and deal with that? Did you have any support or any help? Um, I
1: mean, of course, like everyone around me was like, you know, supporting me and being like, you know, you're doing the right thing. Like your time will come. Like everyone, that was almost the worst bit was everyone was just like, oh, like your time will come. Like it's going to be, you know, you've got it. Like you've, you've already almost done it. Like just be patient. It's coming. And like, I almost feel like that's not the right attitude to have because like, you can't like, I don't know. I just felt like I was trying to force it then at that point. And I remember so many people saying like, Oh, we're just like waiting for it now. Like the next one is yours. Like you're, you know, it's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And, um, you almost start, start to like, I don't know, think about the result more than the, the performance or the process. And, and you're, I was just, I remember thinking about like, Oh, like next time is going to be the one where I win. Like i am riding good I'm just gonna like make it happen and I was thinking about the win and I was thinking about the result and like that's not that's not what got me to that point like I, I'd i never thought about that before so I think that I struggled with that mentally like for sure like that the rest of that season um I was riding super well but I think I was just trying to skip a step you know I was just thinking about trying to win a race and, and it's like that's not the point like that's not the process you know um so yeah, that was tough. Um, I definitely learned a lot about myself, though. Like it was, it was a, it was a good lesson for sure.
0: Yeah, and the, the lesson didn't finish after Leargang, did it? It gave you another opportunity in Valnord, yeah. where you took first place qualies, and then had had a crash on the way down. I think you were already a fair margin away from Vergier, who seemed to be on a bit of a tear that weekend. But yeah, was that, that just another blow for you psychologically? That one was like, honestly, I I
1: felt that one coming because like it was again, um, I sort of surprised myself in qualifying, like didn't expect anything from it, which is exactly how I think I should approach every race is no expectations. And and I rode really well and qualified first by by a pretty decent margin. Um, And then like, I just remember that after that, I was just like, okay, like tomorrow's the day. Like I was just ready like in my head I was like it's gonna happen like I'm gonna win this race and and I just remember like in that like as soon as I left the start gate in the final like I just I was not in the right head like I was way too tight way too nervous like thinking way too much just not riding well at all and and I knew like straight away like okay like this is not this is not the day. And so like that one was tough because I felt like I really let the pressure get to me on that one. And then I crashed anyways. It was just like, it was terrible. Um, I totally let the pressure and put too much pressure on myself and, and I just didn't perform at all. So that was a tough one. But again, like a really important lesson for me, like, um, I was just way too focused on the result, like way too focused on the the outcome and not on the process, you know. And um So yeah, that was a yeah, that was a good learning year, I'll say. Um definitely uh still still stings, like it'll always sting like I those those races I was, you know, riding so well and those opportunities don't come around very often, so um but but I definitely feel like I'm better from it.
0: Yeah, given everything you know now, if you think if you could return to the top of one or all of those races, do you think the outcome would be different? And if so, why? Like, what would you do differently? Yeah, I think it would,
1: honestly. Like, I think, like I said, just um, basically just putting it out of your head that, like, you know, oh, like I can win this or oh, like this is my opportunity or this is my time. Like, it shouldn't feel like that. You know, I think, I think like it kind of just, every every great ride i've ever had kind of feels like it comes as a surprise and i think that's because i'm i'm not putting any expectation on myself it's it's just me riding free and riding with like you know no expectations and just i think that's when you perform your best is when you're relaxed and you're just in the moment you know like really just being in the moment and not thinking about like the outcome so um but I mean, it's, it's obviously like hindsight's 2020 and, you know, you got to learn those lessons. Like I, it's hard. It's, I don't feel like having gone through it. Like, I don't think anyone could have told me that before. And I could have just listened to me like, oh yeah, you're right. Like, it's something that I really felt like I had to go through to learn. And, and I mean, I'm still learning. Like, it's not like I have it mastered. Like, I feel like every year and every race I is a, a learning experience, you know? Um, but that's what's funny is, like, I think about, like, the level of racing in 2022 going into 2023. Like, the level now is so much higher than it was then, I think. Like, everyone has stepped up huge. And I know that, like, I'm riding now faster than I ever was, but everyone else is too. So <laughs> it's it's never
0: easy. That's what makes it exciting, I guess. Yeah, how, sure. how was it inside the team at that point? Because you've gone from like you said greg was your idol your mentor was clearly the number one rider when you and loris joined the team now you know arguably you're the number one rider you've been beating greg throughout that season who had some some injury struggles as well i think that year did that relationship start to change yeah for
1: sure um that year was really like 2018 was really a fun year for the team because like or actually 17 and 18 were really awesome um in twenty seventeen, like Greg was the clear top dog on the team and like Loris and I were just the young guns kind of coming up. So it, it was like everyone sort of, I don't know, felt like they knew the landscape. Um and twenty eighteen, like Greg got hurt kind of right off the bat. He got hurt before Fort William and pretty much missed that whole season. Like I think he raced maybe two races at the end of the year, but for most of that year it was just Loris and I and and we both had awesome seasons like loris took his first win that year in in andorra like we were on the podium damn near every race like either me or him um and and it was like a really awesome season for both of us and we were you know we were having fun between the races and everything was was good um and then like we we both re-signed that that next year um and i think in 2019 (laughs) It was uh I don't know, it felt it felt a lot different because I think like it wasn't so clear anymore like who the top guy on the team was. At least, you know, everyone like I thought I was the top guy and Greg thought he was the top guy and Laura's the same. So I I would say it got a little bit awkward at times. It definitely didn't feel the same anymore after that, which is which is fine. That's just the way it is. Um it's always gonna be strange, I think you know, downhill is like an individual sport at the end of the day. Um, you know, we represent the same brands and we ride for the same sponsors and we're teammates, but you know, in the race, you're, you're, you know, you want to beat your teammates as bad as anyone. Um, so it's uh, yeah, it can get a little uncomfortable sometimes, but that's just the way it is. And it's definitely not personal.
0: Yeah. Interesting stuff. And you, since that 2018 season, you've had a a pretty unlucky Run, I would say, with injuries, and it started off coming into '19. I think you broke your collarbone in testing, was it, in San Romolo before the season started, and missed the first round.
1: Yeah, exactly. um That was like the week before the first race. um We were testing in San Romolo, and I crashed, and I thought I just like banged my shoulder, like kind of sore. Didn't didn't re- didn't get it checked out. Didn't sorry. Didn't um go to the doctor or anything, and then went to Maribor for that first race and tried to ride and, uh, did two runs in practice. And I was like, whew, like there's something on, there's something wrong in here. Um, the pain was just like, so, so bad. And then finally went, got some x-rays, um, our physio Laura, like forced me and yeah, sure enough, I had like a little fracture in my collarbone. So, um, that was, that was the first round gone. And honestly, like the injury was not that big a deal. Like it was, you know, three, four weeks, off the bike um but it really kind of killed my momentum and and mentally as well like coming back from that like soup like underprepared for the rest of the season I just missed all that time and I felt like I was on the back foot from the from the jump in 2019 and that was a really tough season honestly like especially after the previous year having like the speed to win and, and knowing that I could win. And then going into 2019, like not where I should have been and not having the time on the bike and not feeling that great. Um, and I really struggled, honestly, like that was a, that was a tough year. Um, I felt like I was trying my hardest, but everything, like the year before everything felt easy and 2019, everything felt hard. (laughs) Like it was just, um, kind of an uphill battle and yeah that was a that was a really
0: tough season for me do you think that was um your head or your speed on the bike that that you were struggling with like do you think you were still as fast compared to everyone else as you were in 2018 but couldn't put it onto the track for some reason how would you look Um, at it now
1: like for sure i was underprepared like for sure that injury and even probably coming into the season honestly like i just Um, didn't, didn't really feel that comfortable for, for whatever reason. And, um, and I just felt like, yeah, mentally I was not really, my confidence was down because I, I came back in those first few races. I was like, really, you know, not where I should be. And, um, and honestly, like I really felt that year for, for whatever reason, I felt like everyone stepped up, like obviously Greg was back um, that year, like, I just remember watching a few of those races and I was like, I just felt like the speed of everyone increased. And it was like, every race was so fast and so tight. I don't know. I don't know if it actually did or not, but to me, it felt like it was way faster that year. Um, I remember having (laughs) runs where I was like, Oh, like couldn't have hit that any better. Couldn't have had a better run. And I was just like off the pace. And, um, that's like, as a racer, that's the most difficult moment to accept i think is when you feel like you've done everything right and you can't put a finger on you know where you went wrong but your time is off and you're not performing like you want like mentally that's the that's the hardest thing to accept for for us racers i think um and that year it felt like every race was like that um i started to come around a little bit at the end of the season like getting closer to the front but it was uh yeah, that year was tough. Like it was, um, mentally, physically, I was just not really ready. And, um, especially after the season before it was like, it was really, really hard. Um, but, uh, yeah, again, it was another good learning experience. Like, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. I, maybe the year before it made me feel like it was going to be easy for me and everything was just flowing and clicking, but like, it's it's never easy it's good you know racing the best guys in the world every weekend is, um you gotta bring your a game every single day and even if the last race went well like there's zero guarantees like that's kind of the lesson i guess i learned that year
0: fair i will skip 2020 because it was kind of a, a rough year for most people on the planet <laughs> and then 2021 the preseason again didn't treat you too well you had that horrible crash yeah. at windrock which i think left you with a spinal fracture yeah
1: yeah that was, yeah, another, another tough break, really. Like that was, um, a crash that was completely out of my control. Like my chain broke and like got caught up in my wheel and just ejected me. And, um, yeah, I ended up with a little fracture in my spine. Um, and like, I was really, really lucky to be honest. Like it was, it was not displaced and it was, you know, there was no, uh, it wasn't complicated at all, but huge, huge crash and like, um, took, took a month or so, or maybe a little more to feel normal again. Um, and obviously like that was like the run up to the season. That was kind of, yeah, that, that kind of crucial preseason period where I had to basically take a month off. Um, and then that season started really slow. And, and I think at that point, like, I kind of matured and I realized like, okay, like I'm coming into these first races way underprepared, like, and, and that's obvious. So I I kind of didn't expect to have very good results at the start. And I just knew I had to, I had to chip away at it and, and kind of keep working hard and keep riding to get myself back to where I wanted to be. And that season honestly was like really enjoyable because each race I kind of could see the improvements. Um, like the first race started off pretty terrible and I was way off the pace. Um, the next race I was top 15, like getting closer, like feeling a lot better. And then by like mid season, I started to ride like, like I knew I could. And um, by the end of the year, I was, I was kind of back on the podium. So um, that was, that was a obviously not an ideal situation coming into the season way underprepared again, but I was able to, kind of rally which felt good um and yeah that was a there was a couple of, like Maribor that that year um I got seventh but the times were so close I was like I think I was like half a second off third like just really really on the sharp end of things again and um that that felt awesome
0: you were carrying a bit of a wrist injury as well towards the end of the season
1: weren't you yeah yeah I almost forgot um yeah and Lenza Hyde, which was the next to last world cup, I had a huge crash. Um, definitely wasn't good, but yeah, I had a, like I ended up breaking a little bone in my wrist. Um, forget which one it's called, but yeah, just like a little fracture in there. And, um, then we had one more race at snowshoe, which was a double, double world cup. And, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't sure I was going to be able to race cause the, it was pretty painful. Um, but that, that was a, crazy weekend because it just basically like put a wrist brace on and taped it up and had like tons of painkillers like kind of just pushed like gridded through it i knew it was the last race of the year and um obviously like being in the u.s on the east coast like i really wanted to be there and i really wanted to race and um yeah that was um a yeah i qualified third somehow on the first race and then the final was not good i was 18th or something like didn't have a good run but then the next race i qualified sixth and then got fifth on the final so i was able to finish the year on the podium and that felt really awesome because yeah it honest, it'd been a long time since i'd been on the podium and uh yeah that was a really sweet way to cap off a kind of tough year so
0: definitely and uh fabian clearly hadn't lost faith in you um and santa uh santa cruz syndicate kind of came to an end for you at the end of that 2021 season, you made the move over to Canyon collective again. Was that a straightforward decision for you? Were you ready for a change? Um, it was in the end
1: it was, yeah, I was ready for a change. Yeah. hundred percent. Like I was, uh, I was struggling a little bit at Santa Cruz. Um, I wasn't really enjoying it as much as I used to. And I felt like there was a lot of things that could be better with the team. And, um, and it was tough because honestly, like I, I love all those guys and, and they were like a family for me to me for like those five years and tons of good memories. But I kind of just felt like I needed a change and I was ready to take on something new. Um, so, yeah, like obviously my contract was up and I knew that, you know, it was it was uh the time to sort of kind of do something different. So, yeah, kind of midway through 2021, I started speaking to some other teams and seeing what was out there and um that's when yeah Gabe and Fabian um kind of reached out and just the way they went about things and the way they kind of the, the way they work and the way the team is it was just like kind of became an easy choice and I was like really really excited to join up with them um they i i honestly like the way the it all all worked out and I was able to like test the bike and they were just so excited to get me and they were really made it feel like a priority for them to kind of make me happy and, you know, give me everything I wanted. So, um, yeah, it was at the end, in the end, it was an easy choice and I was, I kind of felt like it was the right move. And, um, yeah, it absolutely was the right
0: move. Yeah. And a massive change, right? Literally pretty much everything's different. Yeah. How was it kind of getting back to, using SRAM and RockShox and refamiliarizing yourself with that which I'm sure has changed a lot in the 5 years you've been away and then yeah. learning a whole new platform with the Sender compared to the V10 as well. Yeah, I mean it
1: was so refreshing like it it really brought like a lot more excitement to riding to me. Just I'd been on the same equipment for 7 years at that point, you know, the same frame at least. So really hadn't had much change you know obviously we had like the 29er and then it went mullet so we had like a few different versions but the general feel of the bike and the suspension and everything had stayed the same for so long um and then yeah going to Canyon it was everything new like the only thing that was the same was the tires and the pedals um <laughs> everything else was new so that was really really exciting and I I had a really good feeling about it from the start. Like honestly, the first time I rode the bike, it was, it was still in, it was in the middle of the summer in 2021. And it was just like, I just kind of had a feeling like a sense, like the very first corner I hit, I just remember thinking like, oh, this is, it just felt right. And it felt different than what I was used to. and, And it just made me really, really excited. Um, so yeah, from, from that point on, it was just like, okay, like go time. Like, let's, let's figure this out. Like I, I rode so much that last winter, just getting used to everything and getting myself familiar with, you know, like you said, the suspension, the brakes, the, the way the frame flexes, the wheels, like everything took some time for sure, but it was really exciting. And I knew obviously from, you know, Troy's results and, everything like it was a really proven setup and it was a proven bike um and I just had to get comfortable with it and yeah it was it was re- it, honestly exactly what I needed so um it was a lot of fun and even still I f- I still feel like it's a new bike even a year later I just feel like I don't know it's it's exciting it's exciting to go out and grab my bike out of the garage and go ride so um and and the commitment, like from Fabian and Gabe, like they're so focused on performance and they're so focused on racing and their kind of goals and their, it's just, it aligns perfectly with what I want to do.
0: And it's, it's just such a good setup. Um, I couldn't be more stoked. Amazing. And your track side support has changed as well, right? You've gone from PE to Fabian. Yeah. You had their fair share of battles back in the yeah. day for sure. <laughs> but two of the best guys on the circuit to learn from, I would guess. Yeah. Like what have you learned from those two guys and how do they differ in their approaches?
1: Honestly, like that's probably like one of the things in my career that I can look at and just feel so lucky about is, is like, basically I've got to, you know, pick the brain and and not just that, but also just get to be like really close friends with, with both of those guys. And obviously they have a totally different approach and a totally different style. Um, but like I, they're both like, you know, my, my biggest mentors and some of my best friends, honestly, um, like working with Steve all those years and, and just becoming mates with him and like being able to just like pick his brain and hear his stories and, you know, figure out how he worked and everything. And, and obviously like, you know, absorb all like his advice. Um, and now with Fabian, um, same thing, you know, like just getting to know him and getting to know how his brain works and how committed he is and how driven and passionate he is. It's crazy. Um, so yeah, that's, that's like one of those things. I just feel really, really lucky to have been in the position to, you know, just learn from those guys. Cause I mean, they're heroes, you know, both of them. And, um, yeah, I've learned so much, honestly, it's crazy. Just, just, and like I said, too, just like as friends as well, like not just about bike racing, but about life and about, you know, relationships and everything. It's, it's been, it's been really, really awesome. So, um, and yeah, they couldn't be more opposite to be honest. Like there's so, their approach to racing and their approach to life really is like kind of on opposite ends, but uh, but it's it's been really really interesting and really cool to
0: um, learn from both of them. Yeah, pretty amazing opportunity. And your your off season uh, preparation must have gone pretty well because you came out swinging hard in Lords with a fifth place, and there was really limited practice at Lords, so probably not the easiest race for your first race on the new team, setup up a new bike, so fifth. with all of that is a pretty exceptional result. Were you, were you stoked with it or did you expect more?
1: Oh, I was, I was over the moon. Um, Yeah. Like I said, I had a huge, like a really good winter, Um, rode a lot, tested a lot, like more than I ever have. Um, So I I knew I was in a pretty good spot coming in. Um, I was healthy. I was fit. I was ready. Um, But obviously like, yeah, first race, with a new team, new setup, new everything, like new mechanic, you know, I, I wasn't even sure. Like, I didn't know how everyone worked in the team. Like it was, it was like, yeah, a lot of unknowns. So I of course didn't know exactly how everything would go, but, but, uh, but yeah, it was just really good weekend for me. Um, again, it was like, you know, low stress, no expectations. And I just, you know, performed well and I was, over the moon to yeah, stand on that podium, especially in France, like first race of the year. I feel like the first race of the year is always, it's like a bit of a pressure cooker. Like everyone's nervous. Everyone's fired up. I always feel like it's, it's a, it's a really hard race to do well at. Um, just cause everyone's like so stressed and so like fired up for it. So, um, yeah, I had a great run and was fifth and you know times were all close and I was right in the mix so um it was a dream start you know and it was really rewarding to see like the winter and all that work pay off right away so um
0: yeah couldn't couldn't have started much better honestly yeah and a strange year because we had that big gap between Lords and Fort William which I guess c- could take the wind out of people's sails or take momentum away yeah uh, but you came into Fort William in a good spot and unfortunately didn't end I'm sure the way you wanted you did probably win best crash award that weekend um but probably not quite the result you wanted hey yeah that was really frustrating
1: because um yeah it was a tough weekend for some reason I didn't feel like amazing physically or on the bike it wasn't it was just like cold and brutal the weather was terrible like (laughs) um but but saying that like I was still in the mix like I had a decent quality I think I was ninth and then um was on a solid run like i i maybe would have been on podium but i was for sure top 10 pace um and just had a dumb crash like i had mud on my goggles and i couldn't really see and kind of went offline and slipped out and that was that like it was just kind of an annoying little mistake that yeah threw the threw the race away um so that was that was really frustrating but um yeah that was I guess we got a funny video out of
0: it. So that was the consolation. <laughs> yeah. And then a 15th in Leo Gang. And yet again, Lenza and your wrist don't get on, do they? Yeah. That was uh, another, almost exactly the same race finish position and another huge crash that did some damage to the body.
1: Yeah. Honestly, like the p- trouble started before Leo Gang. Um, the week, like the last time I rode before going to Leo Gang, I crashed and like, jacked my wrist up. Um, it, I didn't think much of it and I went and got x-rays and it was all fine. Um, but like Leo gang race was a struggle because I could barely hold onto the bar. Like my wrist was so sore. Um, and it was funny, like while I was at the race, like the, the doctor who had x-rayed me, emailed me and said like, Oh, we need you to come in for a scan. Cause we think it actually may have, you might actually have a small fracture in your radius. And I remember reading that like, <laughs> like before Quali or something. And I was like, Hmm, I just ignored it. Like turned my phone off. Um, so yeah, that was a really tough weekend. Like I was riding through like a lot of pain and didn't feel like myself. Um, so I was actually pretty stoked to salvage like 15th that weekend, but then, yeah, went and got a scan and I had like a little fracture in my radius. Um, so I had to take a couple of weeks off to let that heal up. And then, yeah, came into lens um, feeling healthy again, feeling good on the bike and had like a really good quality. I think I was fifth. So I felt like I was back on track, like back where I wanted to be. And then, yeah, just huge crash again in the race, like kind of a weird crash unexpected. Didn't really see it coming at all. And, um, that was honestly like so heartbreaking for me cause I was, I got down to the bottom, but like 10 minutes later, my wrists will like swelled up massive and I knew something was wrong and yeah, went for x-rays that next day straight away and had like, a, yeah, a little bone on the end of my wrist was like fully broken and it was just like, yeah, four to six weeks, like just had to wait. And that was like the busiest part of the summer. So I missed three World Cups right there. And that was that was really, really tough. Like just felt like I let the team down and the year that started off so promising was kind of just ruined
0: right there. So um yeah, that was that was that was tough. Yeah. The comeback at World Champs was pretty impressive considering what you've been through though, huh? Twelfth place off the back of a broken wrist. Yeah. And like you say, missing so much racing and knowing where the pace is was that like a bit of a consolation or yeah yes
1: and no like I came like I was really fired up to just be back at that race I knew it was right around like five six weeks after I broke my wrist so I knew that my bone should be good by then and I knew that I would be able to ride but just being like fit and up to speed was the tricky part um so i really did everything i could like through those weeks at home in the summer like i you know, did everything i can to like heal my wrist and stay in shape and and it was honestly like miserable like it was like couldn't ride so i was just on the trainer and in the gym like one-handed it was so so annoying but i just really like really worked hard and really i was so motivated to get back for that race i That race, I felt like everyone had been talking about worlds at Leger in 2022. It's going to be crazy. And I just really wanted to be there, honestly. And I wanted to finish the year. You know, I knew it was going to be tough to finish it like I started, but I wanted to, you know, be there with the team and gain some more experience with working with them and everything. So um, yeah, it was, it was really, honestly, I couldn't have asked for much more coming back to Leger, the fastest race of the year. You know everyone is on form for worlds especially in france like the level was crazy high and i honestly felt really good um and i was really proud of my performance there um i was 12th and really the times are close like i wasn't that far off you know the podium honestly like i think i was two seconds off third like so considering like the situation i don't think i could have asked for much more um but yeah. And then Valdesol was tricky. Like that was, that was a struggle. Cause that track is so brutal and I was not anywhere near fit enough, like bike fit enough for that. And, and then it kind of rained on the race day and like Troy and I, we qualified like in the same s- zone and yeah, we, we had a pretty tough, uh, tough draw with the rain. Like it definitely dried up after that. that so I was 18th or something. So yeah, it was a tough, tough year, but try to take the positives and um, definitely had its moments for sure. Some, some good moments.
0: Yeah, for sure. You can see that the speed is the speed is definitely there. How how has it been having Troy as your as your teammate? Uh, it's been
1: awesome. Um, obviously, I've known Troy for a long time. Um, we ever since that crankworks race <laughs> where we uh, raced each other in dual slalom when I was fifteen. But uh, we were like when I rode for specialized, he was also on specialized and, uh, we hung out quite a lot back then. Um, we would ride together between races and stuff and yeah, I've I've known him since then really. Um, so I kind of knew, I knew I'd get along. I I know how he is and I, I kind of knew it would be an easy fit and, uh, yeah, it's, it's really cool now being teammates with him. Um, he's a really good teammate. He's an insane racer. Like his head for racing is so solid. Like really really consistent doesn't let anything really fluster him he's very calm so um it's a nice uh nice kind of uh guy to have in the pit with you it's it's uh yeah and obviously he's got tons of experience himself so um it's been it's been really good this year and really kind of a shame because i didn't really get to do that many races with him because at the beginning of the season he was hurt with his ankle so he didn't go to the first two races and then as soon as he got back, I got hurt. So (laughs) don't really feel like we raced much together, but, um, the races that we have done have been, have been really good. So, um, I'm really looking forward to 23 and getting a full season and with, with him, it's going to be good.
0: Definitely. And some changes to the team, you've got Millie on set and Dante Silva joining for 2023. Does that feel like it's going to bring a bit more energy into the pit as well?
1: For sure. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm the old guy now like Troy and I um I've always been the youngest guy on the team so now freaking Dante's only 20 I'm six years older than him is is kind of uh funny but uh yeah we actually just I didn't really know Millie before but we met her in December we had a training camp or a testing camp um just Troy her and I so yeah she's super cool and obviously really fast and really promising I think um and uh yeah she's really fun to get she get get along good with her so um i think with her and dante it's going to be yeah some some fresh young energy in the team so i think it'll keep it fun and keep it exciting um dante i know dante really well he obviously has been on canyon last year and uh yeah he's just a goofball so um looking forward to uh yeah riding with him and and being at the races with the whole squad, I think it's going to be a really fun year.
0: Awesome. I'm going to ask a question that's going to sound quite horrible. I think I don't mean (laughs) it in a negative way back in 2018. Did you think you'd still be waiting for your first win in 2023? And how, how does that feel to you? Like psychologically, because it's been a rough few years with you with injury and like showing the pace and then getting knocked back again. Yeah. Like,
1: I'd be shocked if you told me I still hadn't won by now. Um, to be honest, like, like I said, during that season, I was just like, I feel like I was setting my watch to it. Like it was like, oh yeah, next race I'm winning. Like it, I was just, just felt so easy. And it felt like it was, you know, inevitable that I was going to win at some point. Um, especially at the start of that year, just, yeah, I definitely, especially even that next season, like going into 20 or 2019, like I, I just was like really confident and I felt like it was you know my time so um yeah it's it's tough like things have not gone the way I expected or the way I hoped um you know like little injuries at the wrong time that seems to be kind of like the biggest thing is just kind of s- stopped me in my tracks a couple couple years so. Um yeah it's it's frustrating for sure and it's definitely uh it motivates the hell out of me. Um it's definitely, you know, my my biggest goal like I know I have it in me. I know I have the talent and I I have the pieces. I just need to figure out a way to put it all together and and make it happen. Um but you know, it's it's uh it's you know, when you're racing the best guys in the world and especially the level these days, it's, it's never going to be easy. And I don't want it to be easy, to be honest. Like I want to, I want to earn it. So um, yeah, that's, that's my goal and I know I can do it. So I'm going to keep working as hard as I can till
0: I get there. Awesome to hear. And obviously there's the team change, but is there anything else that you've changed in kind of your approach and your setup in the last few years that you think will give you, you a better chance of getting to that top pointy end of the sport? Um, yeah. Um, after 2019, um, I
1: changed, uh, trainers. Um, that's also been a huge, huge step up for me. Um, started working with Jarrett Kolich, um, through actually Elliot Jackson, a really good friend of mine. He'd worked with Jarrett during his racing career. And, um, I knew Jarrett actually from BMX. He's a, um, ex professional BMX racer. So when I was a young and Race and BMX. I always looked up to him because he was, you know, super fast double A pro. Um, and so, yeah, since the end of 2019, we've been working together and every year has been like a really good progression. Um, kind of learning more from him and and kind of making my program more solid from, you know, every aspect, like the training, the riding, the rest, everything. Like it's just feel like I've really stepped up that side of things a lot. Um, And yeah, I'm definitely stronger and more fit than I ever have been. Um, And also more knowledgeable about, you know, myself and what works for me and all that kind of stuff. So that's been that's been a huge, huge step in the right direction for me um, in the last few years. Um, And um, yeah, like you said, the team, the team change last year was really, really positive i feel like i have all the tools necessary and all the resources i need to yeah get the most out of myself which at the end of the day that's just that's the position you want to be in um no excuses like that's kind of i feel like if i can just have no excuses i'm going to get the best out of myself and i'll i'll be able to live with that you know like if i work my hardest and do everything i can um whatever happens i'll be i'll be
0: happy with it Good stuff. And your partner for a good few years now is Yolanda Neff, who's obviously a very high-level racer Mm -hmm. herself. Has Yolanda had much of an impact on how you approach any aspects of your riding, your racing, your training, or life in general that you feels helped?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, it's kind of it's a funny dynamic, I'd say, because we both sort of have the same job, which makes things really easy. Like from like a logistics standpoint. <laughs> um, but no, she's been, I mean, awesome. Like I wouldn't say honestly, like so much on the like racing and professional side, like, but just as like, you know, the support and, um, just being there for each other really. Um, but, uh, it's funny cause like she, she definitely picks up on a lot of things just from her sp- perspective. It's like a bit of a different perspective. Um, and also, like, yeah, you know, she's a Olympic champion. Like, she's a professional athlete at the highest level. So she obviously has, you know, tons of experience and knowledge about, yeah, training, riding, all this stuff. So, um, no, we're a good team for sure. But um, at the same time, it's good to have a bit of a balance there. Like, I don't really tell her how, like, she should... approach her races and she kind of respects that you know it's different and you know not just i'm different than her but also our sports are very different so um but yeah it's it's uh it's awesome like it's a really kind of unique uh situation i think that we find ourselves in and um
0: yeah it's i wouldn't change it for anything good stuff well before we uh wrap up i'm keen to get your thoughts briefly on the changes for 2023 we've got quite a significant format change coming um with the addition of the semi-finals which feels like it it helps riders who are consistent which you've definitely been able to do in the past like how do you feel about the changes for 23. um i feel like it's a little bit of a loaded question
1: um (laughs) no uh (laughs) It's been it's been a hot topic, honestly, like between all the riders um, for for next year. And to be honest, like I think we're going to have to wait and see how it goes before I really say I think it's positive or not. Um, I think the way the changes have been brought about is a bit not the greatest. Like, I think it would have been nice to have a little bit more feedback from the riders about how we want the sport to grow and the direction we want it to go in. Um, we've basically haven't had any say in any of it, which is frustrating and, um, a little bit concerning, but, but at the same time, like, I think, you know, change is change is not bad. I think change is necessary. And, you know, sometimes it's not going to feel great at first, but you know, to grow the sport obviously you know certain things are going to have to change so um yeah with the semi it's it's a big change and i'm not sure yet how it's going to be um and i guess we'll have to just wait and see because it looks like that's the way things are going whether we like it or not so um yeah it's it's been it's been a hot topic let's just say that um a lot of people are pretty upset and pretty frustrated that um Yeah. And it, it definitely is. It could potentially change kind of the dynamic and the, um, let's say the, the feeling of downhill. Like I I think it's, you know, slightly more enduro style, like dare I say. Um, so we'll see. Um, but I think, yeah, honestly, I think it'll suit me. Um, I think, uh, more, more race runs or more like timed runs for points is, is good. I think, that's one thing that I always have felt with downhill is I feel like there's, there's not enough world cups. Like there's not enough opportunities. Um, some race, some years we've had six world cups. It's like what other professional sport has six events throughout the year? Like it just seems like not even close to enough. So I think more races is really good. So whether that's more runs in a weekend or more venues altogether, um, either way, I think that's a positive for sure. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll have to wait and see how it all goes. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been it's been Definitely, a bit of drama.
0: Yeah. It's going to be an interesting year. Yeah, yeah. All right, man. Well, we're going to wrap up with our final four questions. Cool. The first one of those: If our listeners had 150 pounds, which is about 185 US dollars, to improve their performance on a bike, what would you recommend they go spend it on?
1: Mm. Is is this like a does this have to be like a bike part or anything anything open-ended um gosh uh that's a good one i don't know i guess save it for gas money so you can go ride some new spots (laughs) or (laughs) either that or either that or some maxis tires some brand new tires i think that's like the single biggest performance advantage you can get from your bike um or, you know, save it for some race entry fees because, like, that's where I think you learn the most about, you know, yourself and getting better is,
0: you know, racing. So I'd say uh, any one of those three. <laughs> Good advice. Like it. All right, the second question, if you could wind back the clock and sit down with yourself age 16, what advice would you give 16-year-old Luca? Oh, man. there's a lot.
1: Um ah. I don't know, man. Uh, I think, um, man, putting me on the spot here. I don't know. I guess I would say, um, just enjoy the moment and, you know, not, not get ahead of yourself. Like, yeah, just live for that moment and do your best in the moment and not worry about what the, what's going to happen
0: next, I guess. I think that's sort of good advice for anyone. Yeah, solid, man. All right, the third one, if you could have a coaching session from anyone past or present, who would it be and what would you want to learn from them? And you've been lucky enough to work alongside Pete and Fabian quite extensively, but are there other people yeah. that you'd put on that list? Man, yeah, like you said, I've been
1: pretty pretty – lucky um with uh Petey and Fabian but um someone else coaching session I don't know I mean Sam Hill's always been like he's like a idol of mine um just the way he rides a bike I feel like it's it's unlike anyone else um so if he wanted to give me some pointers that would be pretty cool I think
0: Big rumor that he's coming back to downhill racing this year. Do you know anything about that?
1: I don't know. Uh, I haven't heard anything. Um, that'd be awesome. I hope he does. <laughs> but
0: uh, no, I haven't heard. <clears throat> it would be very good to see. All right, last one. What do you do every day that you feel benefits you? Um,
1: I... Every day... I mean, I pretty much, like, train every day and or do some sort of, like activity and I feel like on the days that I don't I feel terrible (laughs) I feel like it's just like yeah getting like getting outside or even just like working out is like huge for me I, I kind of have grown to like really love it um and I think it helps me physically and mentally and emotionally to be more kind of centered so yeah I'd say just uh every day doing some doing Some training
0: sounds good to me. Well, it's been super <laughs> exciting chatting, Luca, and finding out more about your story so far. If people want to follow you throughout the season, where's the best place for them to head? Um, my Instagram, I guess. Um, but yeah, well, I don't know where you'll watch
1: the races this year, I guess not on Rebel TV anymore, but uh, <laughs> um, hopefully it'll be easy enough to find. Um, and yeah, follow the Canyon Collective team, um, to see what we're up to throughout the year, but uh but yeah we'll be we'll be at
0: all the races that's for sure so um can't wait good stuff man I'll stick uh, links to all of that stuff in the show notes people can find it yeah thanks for your time I'm excited to see how the season pans out for you hopefully we'll see you back on the top but yeah best of luck for 2023 man
1: thanks a bunch Chris yeah thanks for having me on um enjoyed it so uh yeah we'll we'll be seeing you in uh in the summer I'm sure
0: All right, that's it for this episode with Luca. I really hope you've enjoyed it. A big thank you to We Are One Composites for supporting this episode. If you want 15% off any of their awesome wheel sets or their depackaged bar and stem, then as a downtime listener, you can enter the code downtime February 2023 at the checkout over on we are One WeR1composites.com. That's downtime with a capital D, February with a capital F, followed by the number 2023, no spaces over on we are One WeR1composites.com. Don't forget the code must be entered at the final stage of the checkout process on the confirm order page. There's also a lot more awesome content coming your way over the course of 2023, so make sure you're following the podcast by hitting that button in your podcast app or heading to downtimepodcast.com forward slash follow. You can get a little bit of extra downtime by signing up to the newsletter at downtimepodcast.com forward slash newsletter. If you want to support the podcast, you can do that by telling your friends about the show, spreading the word, sharing the podcast on your social media, grabbing yourself some merch at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop, subscribing to our biannual mountain bike journal, Downtime EP at downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP, or by leaving us a review over on Apple podcasts. All right, that's it for today. We're going to have another awesome episode coming up really soon, but until next time, get out and ride.